Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Dreaming of a white Thanksgiving. <laughs> hey. there, you know, there aren't any Thanksgiving songs, really. No, because they would all be about how Columbus came and just wrecked house. I mean, every other holiday, okay, maybe not every, but, you know, it's a major holiday, and usually somebody will have made a money grab at it. You know, you'd think, yeah. like, some songwriter. You know, I bet if we YouTubed Thanksgiving song, you would hear some atrocious, atrocious music. I mean, there are some songs that sort of work, but there's no, like, iconic Thanksgiving song. Trust me, I've cut, like, advertisements that are going to play during True. Thanksgiving, and you always run into this problem as a marketer, which is, like, it's not really Christmas music that works, but it's not really, you know, what do you put there? Yeah, you would do, I don't know, songs about pumpkins. There's the great pumpkin waltz from the Charlie Brown Christmas. That's more soundtrack. Halloween, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, there was a song by, it, it was pretty much like Rebecca Black's Friday, but it was called It's Thanksgiving. It was three years ago. I'm looking at it on YouTube right now. and has 16 million views, and it's just one of those, a girl and her family paid someone to produce a really crappy video and song for them, and yeah. it's called It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> the fact that I've never heard of that song just shows that there's not a good Thanksgiving song, but yeah. that is somebody trying to make a money grab. It just didn't yep. work. Yeah, apparently Adam Sandler has a Thanksgiving song, too, so there's there's that. I liked your solution. I'm dreaming <laughs> of a white Thanksgiving. <laughs> I hope it's not stunning by Thanksgiving. Just like the ones I used to know. Hey, you have a good voice. Look at that. <laughs> you, uh, are there any fireplaces nearby? Because you should be singing in front of it. <laughs> this is the most long-winded intro we've ever had to the show. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to The Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Yeah, and we are definitely thinking of a uh, white Christmas, or dreaming in this case. If you're not in the States, then, um, well, some places Canada still has, I think... Uh, Thanksgiving or some places still sell. I might be wrong about that, Canada. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> all the Canadians are like, but, uh, it's okay, we forgive you. All the Canadians are like, hey, that's not true, eh? Uh, <laughs> They're uh, like, oh, sorry, sorry that we uh, we, sorry, we misconceived you. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, 
my That's sister lives in Canada, so nice. you know that I'm, gives you free reign to. And we know Andy and Brendo. Oh, Scott. true, our friends from the Space Janitors and yeah. and Commanders Brew podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is a super long winded intro. Um, <laughs> today we are going to be further reviewing the Commander 2015 pre decks. Yeah, we had a really good response to the last video. Yeah, a lot Tons of people of really liked it. Tons of comments, uh, a lot of views or listens. Um, these are among our more popular shows, as set reviews generally are. And this is a great time of year for Commander. This is the time of year where we're in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And also, it's a great time because you're gathering friends and family for Thanksgiving so you can play Commander with them. Because I'm dreaming of a white Thanksgiving. I'm not, actually, because there's no chance it happens in L.A. There's never snow here. No. Oh, my gosh. If snow happened here... All hell would break loose. Well, it would mean that hell had frozen over, <laughs> so it would also be breaking loose. Yeah, I like thinking of Los Angeles as just a precursor to hell, because it sometimes is that way here. So anyway, the decks we're going to be reviewing are the black and green deck, which has Marin on the cover, and the green and blue deck, which has Azuri on the cover. So, yeah, which we voted as, uh, I guess, most powerful commander out of the box, I think. I think Azuri, just that card is yeah. the most powerful of the new commanders. But that precon deck, we're talk the way we reviewed last week if you didn't listen is that we're going to just sort of talk about those decks straight out of the box. What are some of the good cards? What are some of the bad cards? You know, Worst what are, cards. Yeah, <laughs> what are some of the uh notable reprints? And then we're going to discuss how that deck might play if you just re- literally ripped it open and played it without changing anything. Yeah, hopefully you sleeved it. Hopefully you <laughs> sleeved it. And then also what cards you may be able to add in quickly not we're not talking about massive overhauls of the deck we're just yeah. talking about like if you just switched out six seven eight cards how you could sort of make it quite a bit better by doing that and yeah. obviously if you just totally overhaul the deck you'll be able to make it a lot better but we'll talk about this those type of things you know maybe further down the line this is basically for being able to go to the store grab it make quick changes and and yeah. make it better right away and the big thing is also like we we know you've already bought a deck we don't want you to have to spend hundreds of dollars upgrading it this is a great way to just sort of start see if you like the direction you're going and from there you can sort of personalize it to your own tastes yeah and you know i actually got a chance this past weekend to play a lot of these oh, that's decks right and play the decks against each other we had our good friend uh the professor from Tolarian community college was in town visiting and we played a ton of Magic. And the first thing, I picked Prof up at the airport. We drove straight to the local game store <laughs> and picked up my pre-orders. I pre-ordered three of each nice. of the Commander decks. Went back to my house. Some friends showed up. We sleeved them up and just had a couple of Commander games just straight out of the box. That's awesome. So it was good research for the show. It was a ton of fun. These decks play like they're a lot of fun. Um, they're way, way more fun than last year's. <laughs> yeah, uh, monocolored is probably not the best trade out of the box, I wouldn't think. Yeah, and I think the Planeswalkers also were, while cool, mm-hmm. that dynamic made the games take longer. Yeah. Because if you think about it, Planeswalkers are actually like life gain cards too, because anytime you attack a Planeswalker, you're not attacking a player. Yeah. Um, these decks do stuff. Games happen in the end. Um, yeah, had a ton of fun. So that's something I would definitely recommend for people is just getting a couple friends getting these decks and before you change them play them against each other because they do play a lot of fun and yeah. there's a lot of cards in there that you wouldn't normally use because you know they're just not on the power level of like our really ratcheted up mm-hmm. super tuned decks but they're it, it creates a lot of fun it's almost like playing limited versus playing constructed in standard say yeah that's cool yeah. i also like it because it's kind of like the dual decks where they were built to be played even though they may not be optimized they were still someone put all those cards on the list for a reason and they have the right number of lands in there so you should shuffle up and give it a go yeah 
tons of fun. I would definitely recommend it. Um, and speaking of Prof's visit, just Ooh. as a quick tease, we did spend an entire day shooting some videos. Filming in the wild. In the wild. And around the kitchen table. And so look for some cool stuff coming up. We will not uh, spoil anything further for now. Nor will we put a date on it. No, definitely we won't do that <laughs> because that makes us have to work at a certain speed, which we don't want to do. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, instead, look forward to the next episode of The Command Zone, which actually, did we already say this, won't be the week of uh, after Thanksgiving? Correct. So we're not, we usually record on Thursdays, but um, that will be Thanksgiving Day. So yep. we're not going to have any uh, new Command Zone episode the first week of December. It'll be the second yeah. week of December. So, and to warn you, there'll probably be a couple weeks taken off around Christmas too. So. Probably. So look forward to an episode December 8th. And uh, a lot of people have also been asking to get back to the deck techs, and we will definitely get back to that. Yeah, a lot of questions about deck doctors. Yes, we are still uh, accepting submissions, and we plan to go back into it. But for now, we got to talk about these Preton decks. It's what's happening in the mm-hmm. world of Commander. And we're going to start with the black and green deck. So black and green, known in Magic uh, for being the colors of sacrifice, of recursion from the graveyard. Black being symbolic of death, green being symbolic of nature, and these are uh, two colors that seem to be at opposites, but they actually get to make some really powerful cards. And the main big daddy, uh, or big mama, I always get this wrong, Marin. Mm-hmm. Or, this is definitely a she. Oh my gosh, I'm they're, flubbing. I think they're both she's, but I'm not sure, but Marin's definitely a she. Marin's definitely a she, yeah. Marin of Clan Nell Toth. One of the first images spoiled for, for Commander 2015, too. Two a black and a green, legendary creature, human shaman, a 3-4. Whenever another creature you control dies, you get an experience counter. We've talked about experience counters. These are outside of the game. They uh, cannot be affected except for with, with proliferate, I believe. You is cannot the remove them, and the only way you could sort of add them besides the card text is proliferate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Marin also says, at the beginning of your end step, choose target creature card in your graveyard. If that card's converted mana cost is less than or equal to the number of experience counters you have, return it to the battlefield. Otherwise, put it in your hand. The otherwise part um, is easy to overlook. Yeah. But it means that Marin can target a creature in the graveyard. Let's say you've got two experience counters and that creature costs four mana. Mm-hmm. You can at least draw that back into your hand, even if yeah. you don't have anything that's two CMC in there. You're essentially drawing two cards every turn. One of them happens to be on your end step, but that is insane. It's very powerful. Uh, Marin is very, very good. It's not hard to get your creatures to die, so it's not that hard to put experience counters onto yeah. yourself. She seems um, very powerful. Yeah, this is one of the decks I played over the weekend. It's a very good deck. It's very good out of the box. Mm-hmm. Um we're going to talk about that a little bit later. I guess I'll break down one of the other legendary creatures is Mazarik, Kral Death Priest. It's three, a black and a green, so five total. For a legendary creature, Insect Shaman, it's a 2-2 two, two with flying. It says, whenever a player sacrifices a permanent, another permanent, you put a 1-1 one, one counter on each creature you control. And it is a he, according to the uh, flavor text. We did it. We did it. We so got both the genders correct. We got the for now. Yeah. Um. So Masaryk, also very, very powerful. You'll notice it says whenever a player sacrifices another permanent. Mm-hmm. So as you pointed out uh, in a couple shows ago, fetch lands yeah. will trigger this. Uh, just sacrificing anything by any player, including yourself, that's not Masaryk, will trigger it and give all your creatures plus one, plus one counters. Yeah, which is pretty sweet. Um, the, and it, this card synergizes really well with Marin because Marin wants your creatures to die, and so does Masaryk. Mm-hmm. So these two um, 
legendary creatures are in synergy, which we did see in some of the other decks. Um, and there's one more legendary creature in this color combination. I would just say, by, by the way, Masaryk makes me want to make a five-color Marchesa deck because Masaryk and Marin together are both, like, best friends with Marchesa. You know, uh, one of the people currently uh, on this show has a five-color Marchesa deck and really? is very excited to put Masaryk in there. Well, I cannot wait. <laughs> and by that, I mean I literally do not want to wait. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> uh, the last card is a reprint, and it's one of... Uh, it is a very powerful card. It's Gerard Golgari Lich Lord. Black, black, green, green. Zombie Elf for a 2-2 uh, two -two zombie elf. Gerard Golgari Lich Lord gets plus one, plus one for each creature card in your graveyard. So again, this is this is synergizing with every other commander yep. in the box. One, a black and a green. Sacrifice another creature. Each opponent loses life equal to the sacrifice creature's power. And you can also sacrifice a swamp and a forest to return Gerard from your graveyard to your hand. So you probably wouldn't want to do that if you're running this as your commander. But this card is amazing with both the, both Masaryk and Marin. Yeah, what we're seeing is that all three of the legendary creatures really synergize well with each other. Mm -hmm. And in the other decks, we haven't we've seen some synergy, but not like this. Like think of the Daxos deck. It mm -hmm. has Tesa. Those two things don't really go together exactly. And then it had Uncle Carl, who's a life gain. So yeah. those three legendary creatures don't work that well together. Uh, think of Mizzix. Mizzix had Arjun, who doesn't oh, yeah. really do exactly what Mizzix wants to do. Now, it had Talran and Melek, who do. So this this one, all three are working in conjunction. They're all doing what the other ones want to have them as sort of like their sidekicks or the yeah. backup plans. And so this is really, so far, very focused. Speaks to probably how distinct and, and understandable the color combination is, too. Black and green, I think, has always been about tokens and sacrificing things and, and messing around with the graveyard and rebirthing them. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, even like the black-green archetype in Battle for Zendikar draft is a token sacrifice theme. So yeah. it's definitely common to this color pairing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to jump into the statistics like we did for the other decks. Um, we always start with ramp and card draw. So this deck has about seven ramp cards. Pretty good. Yeah, and about seven card draw cards. Better than most. And we're seeing around six to seven, um, besides Mizik, who had about 14 card draw cards, is what they're going with, it feels like, for most of these decks. So, again, we usually like 10 or so. So it's, yeah. it's close. It's in the ballpark. Something we're seeing across the board on all of these pre-cons is a very low number of board wipes. Yeah, which is interesting, um, but it makes sense. I think they only really printed one serious board wipe, and it was in black, mm -hmm. but it's not in this deck, which I feel like it should have been, but who knows why. Yeah, and this deck really doesn't have any board wipes. Uh, nothing that we would call a true board wipe, which is very, very low. You know, I've said in the past I like to have at least four, often more, um... So zero, obviously not yeah. sufficient. However, it does have spider spawning, which is like the opposite of a board wipe. It's uh, Shout out to BDM. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then single target removal is the next category. And there's about seven single target removal spells. Plus there's a few like players sacrifice two creatures or all players sacrifice an enchantment or your opponent, mm. opponent sacrifice a creature. So those are similar to single target removal, but not the exact same because... In those cases, uh, your opponents can sometimes choose, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But there's things like that. And then, so that's those are sort of the categories we always talk about with every deck. And now now we'll get into some specific stuff. So I there's a category I called stuff that wants to die or be <laughs> brought back. Yeah. And there's about 20 cards, mostly creatures, that want to go to the graveyard or else come back out of the graveyard. There are only 37 creatures in this deck, by the way. So that is actually pretty good. That's over half 
of the creatures in this deck like dying and coming back. So we're talking about Enter the Battlefield abilities, Wall of Blossoms, when it comes to the battlefield, mm-hmm. you draw a card. Or when it dies, abilities like Sacred Tribe Elder, which you can sack to find basic lands. Right, and that's a ramp card that you can recur and then keep ramping. And then when you're done ramping, you can switch over and draw cards. Yeah, with the, yeah which is so- cool. That means Sacred Tribe Elder is actually like one and a quarter ramp cards because it requires Marin to come out. And if it does, then you get additional value out of it. It's kind of cool. Correct. Uh, then a sacrifice outlets, very important to the deck because if your stuff wants to die, you have to have a reliable way to, mm-hmm. to put it into the graveyard. And, you know, if people know what you're doing, a lot of times you can't just attack in. They just won't block. Secure Tribe Roller does one damage. They'll just ignore it. Yeah. So, well, it can sack itself, so that's not a good example. But you <laughs> know what I'm saying. Uh, there's about 10 sacrifice outlets. Gerard is one, um, which is a good amount. And sacrifice outlets we've talked about many times in the past are just very good in Commander because people do things like cast Insurrection. Yeah. And if you're going to die to the Insurrection creatures, a lot of times it's just like, well, I'll just sack all my stuff. And now you don't get anything from me. Or they go to steal your commander while I sack it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a sacrifice outlet that just doesn't even do anything <laughs> is is good. And all these sack outlets give an effect. Yeah, it's great too. Stuff like Alter's Reap. It's just awesome when someone points a removal spell at something. And we're like, well, it's going to die anyway. I'll sack it and draw some cards additionally. And then that spell fizzles. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the next category I called ways to place things into the graveyard. So this is not the same as a sack outlet. This would be like taking cards from the top of your deck. Uh, there's like Lotleth Troll, which mm-hmm. allows you to discard cards to some effect. So yeah. that is actually a way to like put a specific card into your graveyard. Because there might be times when you're like, Marin has eight counters, but I've only got six mana. If I want to play this eight drop, I need to get into the graveyard from my hand somehow. And there are cards that allow you to do that. There's about five cards that are ways to place things into the graveyard. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, too, because usually like when you play cards like Anger, the big question is, how do I It's I have to play it and then hope someone kills it? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> That's why you usually want something like Survival of the Fittest that yeah. allows you to go trade Anger, put it in the graveyard, and go find another creature. And so there are ways to do that kind of thing, although Survival of the Fittest is not in the deck. No, it is not. That would be awesome if it was, but it's not. Uh, and then one last category I called payoffs for creatures dying or being dead. So these are things like we would talk about like Dictate of Erebos, which we'll talk about later, but it says things like whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent has to sacrifice a creature. So that's a payoff for your creatures dying. Something like Blood Artist or Zulaport Cutthroat uh, in the new set would be a similar type effect. Mm. So there's about seven cards that are payoffs for your creatures dying or being dead. Yeah, like Bone Horde, which is just an equipment that gives you a creature plus X plus X, where X is the number of creature cards in all graveyards, but you'll probably be the one feeling that the most. Gerard, again, cares about how many creature cards are in your graveyard. Yeah, those are payoff cards for things dying. So that's, again, those cards don't care how those cards got into the graveyard either, so if you're able to just put them directly, like, mill yourself, that's a good way to... Draw to eight, discard on purpose. Yeah, the, the good old, old days, days the, the good, good old days, days yeah so um i guess what does this tell us all these stats so we look at these stats and what does it tell us and it tells us the obvious thing i think uh you know there's a lot of creatures that want to die and be brought back there's a bunch of sacrifice outlets uh that which will work with Mazarek's ability but i mean ultimately i think marin is clearly the way to go with yeah. this deck i think marin is also the most powerful out of all of them just because the experience counter recursion is great and it's also repeated, repeated, repeated. It happens over and over again. And, I mean, it really is kind of nutty that you get to draw a card into your hand if your experience counters isn't big enough. 
Yeah, even the worst case scenario is not bad. It's just an extra card in your hand. Yeah, and also like if you have cards that are you're like, well, I could either bring this to the to the battlefield because I have so many experience counters, or I want to put this other creature into my hand. You can just choose the more expensive creature. You don't have to always put something onto the battlefield, especially if you know if someone's like being like, I'm gonna wrath at any moment. You're like, well, I'm just gonna put this into my hand in that case. Yeah, just to have it for later. Yeah. Uh, There's plenty of reasons. So. Marin's pretty grindy. It's a card advantage engine when you get down to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I'll say about this deck is it's very focused. There's not a lot of cards that are sort of outside of what the deck's trying to do. Yeah. You know, with Daxos, like we said, there was some life gain stuff. There were six or seven of those that just didn't fit in. Mizix had this weird Arjun and some and some strange cards oh, yeah, like Lone Revenant, and they had the. There's not very much of that in this deck, which is interesting, and I think. If I had to choose, I would say that Marin's probably the most powerful deck just straight out of the box. Yeah. Um, Mizzix maybe gives us a run for its money. This is based on what I saw playing all the decks against each other. I think Marin is also a little easier to play than then, Mizzix is because Mizzix, you have to think about sequencing a lot more and also what order to do stuff in. Well, that is what sequencing is. But yeah, I think Marin just is like, look, this is value town. You're going to get stuff back and you're going to keep playing it. Yeah, I would definitely agree. That's a that's a really good statement. I do think Marin is not easy to play, right? Because you'll have a lot of decisions to make as far as which creature you bring back, which ones you sacrifice so that you can bring them back. But mm-hmm. Mizzix is is definitely more complex to play. Um, all right, let's talk about the best cards. All of them. The Man. best cards in the deck. Well, Eternal Witness is just the greatest. Uh, one green green, two one human shaman. When it enters the battlefield, you may return target card from your graveyard to your hand. It's a regrowth. Yep. Which is great. Um, you want this pretty much every deck that can play green, you want this. Not to mention you're gonna you're gonna be getting this back over and over and over again. This is definitely one of the cards that would be like, look, I need this sorcery back. It's not a creature, so Mary can't bring it back. Ewit, here you go. That's exactly the Join point the with Eternal Witness is that Marin already brings back all your creatures. Yeah. As soon as you get Eternal Witness onto the table with Marin, now any card you put into your graveyard, you can get back. And so it actually it makes the whole deck recurrable at that yeah. point. Seems so, pretty good. Yeah. To me, Eternal Witness is probably one of the most important cards that you always want to get out in every game because all of a sudden now the world is your oyster. Any card that's either in your hand or in your graveyard, you mm-hmm. have access to at all times. Um, the next one in the best cards category is Butcher of Malakir. They reprint. For reprints, yeah, I like this guy. They reprint this card like every five seconds. <laughs> uh, it's five and two black. Wait, wait, hold on. They just reprinted it. <laughs> wait, nice. hold on. They just reprinted it. Awesome. Wait, hold on. Nope, but they're about to reprint it. Oh, th- there it is. <laughs> they, they did it. Five and two black, seven mana for a 5-4 flying vampire warrior. Whenever Butcher of Malakir or another creature you control dies, each opponent sacrifices a creature. Hey. So it's Grave Pact. It's Dictator of Erebos on a stick. Um, it they didn't reprint Grave Pact or dis- Dictate in this uh, mm-hmm. set, so this is the closest we've got, and it's still pretty dang good. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's still a five four flyer, and you're probably not gonna always be paying seven mana for it because you'll be able to get it out with Marin. And that's the great thing is uh, both Dictate and Grave Pact, which we'll talk about later. Um, they're harder to recur with Marin, whereas mm-hmm. the Butcher of Malakir is pretty easy to recur with Marin. Yeah, and that actually is a great reason to include it in the deck, not to mention they had to reprint it because they have a quota that they have to fulfill at Wizards, <laughs> apparently. It's that like, and it Iona. Needs to go, yeah, it needs to go set, 
commander set, dual deck, commander set, dual deck, commander set. Conspiracy. Conspiracy. There's going to probably be another dual deck just called Butcher of Malakir. <laughs> it's just the Butcher. It's Butcher versus Butcher? Yeah. Oh, God. It's like, who who can get it out first and force the other guy to, to just sack a bunch of things? Uh, finally, we have Skull Clamp. Hooray. Uh, of course, this is probably the most important equipment in the entire set it's one of your best forms of card draw in green and black it's a one drop artifact equipment that's banned in everything except our format um, <laughs> it costs one to equip a creep creature gets plus one minus one and whenever a creep creature just dies draw two cards so I, I remember reading originally that wizards was like oh originally it used to be like equip creature gets plus one plus one they're like yep. that's too powerful let's make a plus one minus one without thinking. that'll tone it down that'll tone it down yeah because anything with one toughness you essentially draw two cards for a creature dying and equipping skull clamp onto them so there are many times in games when i have tokens out where i just go clamp 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 and you're yeah. just tapping three drawing. mana draw six cards yeah pretty good that's that's pretty amazing yeah skull clamp often the best card in any deck that it's in because the decks that are running it can use it yeah um even if the creature doesn't die when you equip it you just sacrifice it at instant speed and draw two cards you know that's the thing about this deck is that you can you have 10 sack outlets it's a yeah. big theme in the deck so very often you put skull clamp on and then that doesn't kill it but you still sack it and draw the cards super good card yeah um all also, right. we should say that Mazarik is also one of the best cards in the deck, as as is Gerard. Gerard, yeah. Mazarik, yeah, is amazing. Um, I mean, I thought for a long time about suggesting to run Mazarik as the sort of lead singer, but Marin is straight out of the box uh, quite a bit better. I think. And has a better voice. <laughs> Mazarik sounds like as a Marin's... freaking... Dreaming of a white, green, black, green, black <laughs> Christmas. A lot of people things dying. She would technically want to be dreaming for a gruel Christmas because it's green, red, right? Go gar- oh, gruel. Yeah, because well, I mean, I guess she in the spirit of green, black, she should be dreaming of a green, black Christmas. Of a Golgari yeah. Christmas, Golgari Thanksgiving. Mazarik, I don't even think Mazarik can sing. Look at him; he's he he's, sings like this. <laughs> that was killer i shouldn't have done that uh let's talk about some of the worst cards uh and josh you wrote here that this section was harder than normal yeah this there's not a ton of really bad cards in the deck there are some but and there are a lot of cards that are sort of suboptimal mm-hmm. like oh there's a clearly better card that does the same thing but there's not a lot of cards where you're like what is that card even doing there's not lone yeah. revenant style cards there's cards that are like uh it's not it's not perfect like but it still does what it what that slot in the deck should do yeah which is interesting um it, it's almost like we're being sponsored by <laughs> by this deck in particular yeah <laughs> actually it's the butcher of malakir is making us <laughs> talk about it. he's like please i need people I need to, to get reprinted <laughs> again <laughs> Because they don't ever get reprinted in uh, 17 sets. So Vulture's Zombie is a great example of this. It's just three black and a green for a 3-3 flying plant zombie. It's a plant. Zombie. Uh, weird. Uh, whenever a card <laughs> is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, put a plus one, plus one counter on Vulture's Zombie. So this thing could get huge, but it's also just easily targetable. The flying is nice, but yeah. It's fine. Again, this is not a horrible, horrible card. Yeah. It's just slow, and that's just not the way the deck's going to probably win you know it's which a better is like card. slowly making one creature big yeah algae gariel baby now algae gariel <laughs> the truth is hard to target because it has shroud yeah so that's that's a big thing 
Um, Even though it's more specific, Algigaria is a three and a, a green, one, one shroud crocodile. And whenever another creature dies, you can put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So sure, whatever, it's not flying and it's not whenever any you know permanent is put into the graveyard, but it has shroud. Yeah, and a vulture zombie is whenever a card is put into an opponent's graveyard, so it doesn't count your own. Yeah. It's just, again, it's fine. It's just not that great. Um, the next one is Centaur Vine Crasher. This is a, a weird card. Three and a green for a 1-1 one, one plant centaur. All these plants. Maybe these we, plants. we just have that for plants. <laughs> Has trample. It says centaur vine crasher enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Or sorry, with a number of plus one, plus one counters on it equal to the number of lands in all graveyards. Hmm. And then it says whenever a land is put into a graveyard from anywhere, you may, you may pay green, green. If you do, return the vine crasher from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah, so this is like the card that you're hoping everyone has fetch lands and playing Evolving Wilds, I, I mean, guess. how many lands can you expect to have in people's graveyards in general? Not that many. Unless somebody's playing Titania. Yeah. Or your playgroup is known for having people play like Armageddon or Wildfires or those type of effects. In mm -hmm. general, like you look around, maybe there's five or six lands. You know, that's being pretty generous. Yeah. Not to mention the ability to put it back into your hand is all right, but it'd be way sweeter if it was the battlefield, right? That would yeah. totally make this much more playable than it currently is. It's three in the green for a one one that may become like a four four yeah. trample. It's, it's like <laughs> you, you the deck has no way to put a bunch of lands into the uh graveyard except for self mill. Mm -hmm. And there's not a ton of it already in the deck. There's a little bit. Yeah. If you added dredge and a bunch of self-mill, then maybe this gets a little bit better. But if you're doing that, then you can find better cards than this card. Yeah, yeah, you definitely can. Like, the truth. Um, next up, Banshee of the Dread Choir. This is in the uh, Myriad Cycle. So whenever this creature attacks for each opponent other than the player that's defending it, uh, you can put a token that's a copy of that creature onto the battlefield and attacking a player or a planeswalker they control, and then you exile those tokens at the end of combat. So Banshee of the Dread Choir, three black black for a 4-4 four, four spirit, and whenever it deals combat damage to a player, they discard a card. Just sounds like a great way for no one to like you. And it doesn't do anything that you want to be doing. It doesn't have an enter the battlefield effect, yeah. so it doesn't actually synergize with Marin that well. You're it's not, not like it's making you discard a card, right? Yeah, and the discard it has some synergy with like Bone Hoarder or mm -hmm. Night Howler, these cards that care about how many cards or creature cards are in all graveyards and blah blah blah. Yeah. But that's a really slow way to go about doing that. And I just don't think this card has enough synergy with the deck to really um, be. Vulture's Zombie cares about this. Vulture's Zombie doesn't it say dies? No, it's it put into a graveyard from, from anywhere. anywhere. Okay. Yeah. So that's another reason to take this out because I'm saying take out the <laughs> take Vulture's out the Zombie. <laughs> so we'll, don't keep This is just, it, it, to me, it just doesn't feel like it synergizes very well. It's, again, it's not that it does nothing and it's not that it's a horrible card. Yeah. It's just that it's not very focused towards what you want to be doing. It's also a 4-4 that it's just going to draw a lot of aggression. Like, these cards have a home somewhere, but it's very hard to negotiate these politically because when you play it, everyone's going to look at you and be like, are you ever going to swing with that? Because if you do, you're just going to really face down a lot of anger or just retribution at the table because of it. So it's a tough one to navigate. For sure. All right, let's talk about some notable reprints. This deck actually has some pretty good ones. Yeah. The first one is, well, I know you played in a lot of decks. Yeah, Eldrazi Monument. Uh, it's a five-drop artifact. It's kind of like the the Big Daddy. This and Akroma's uh, Memorial are sort of the two Big Daddy artifacts that help out your tokens. Uh, this says creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and have flying and indestructible 
which is really crazy for a five drop. Really good. Uh, but however, at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a creature if you can't sacrifice Eldrazi Monument. So this card sucks if someone is able to board wipe in a way that gets rid of your indestructible creatures because when it comes back around to your upkeep, you immediately sacrifice the monument. But uh, Well, and it also sucks in some decks <laughs> because you don't want to be sacrificing your creatures. Right. Fortunately, in Marin, you want to be sacrificing your creatures because you can get them back. And also, it gives you experience counters. Yeah, which is pretty sweet. So this is just a really good card in this deck. And it was getting pretty spendy. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's good value. Thank um, goodness. Another gonna, notable I'm reprint. going to get more now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another notable reprint we mentioned earlier, Eternal Witness. Mm-hmm. Uh, High Market, actually, in this deck. And this, and this card was going up in price. High Market's a land. You can tap it to add one colorless mana to your mana pool. Or you can tap it to sacrifice a creature and you gain one life. Yeah, instant speed sack outlet that's on a land, so it's going to tap you for mana anyway. You don't need to pay mana to get this onto the battlefield. It's in a two-color deck, so you're not worried about crazy mana costs. Great card. This card should go in most EDH decks. Again, it protects you from... Because without the uh, tuck now, so the tuck rule changed, we don't have to worry about commanders being shuffled into our decks. So the one way that they can still really get us is to steal our commander with a control magic or a mind control type effect. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not talking steal it for a turn. I mean, steal it for good. Forever. And if you don't have a, a way at that moment to counter that spell or kill your own commander, then you could it could turn your whole deck off. Yeah, you're in a bad spot. So high market's a way to be ready to just counter that control magic because they go to control magic. You're thinking, you go, okay, sacrifice it. and mm-hmm. puts it back in the command zone. So Homeward Path and High Market are two cards that go in a lot of commander decks. And that's probably one of the reasons why it was a little spendier. It's not like it was super $20 or something, but yeah. yeah. Well, it only been printed in Mercadian Masks and a From the Vault before now. Yeah, um, and but it was usable in like all the commander decks, so exactly. there was a lot of demand for it. So I'm glad they reprinted it. Uh, not to mention, by the way, if you look at the arts, the new version is considerably brighter and uh, poppier, sort of like the colors-wise in the old versions. You, oh, yeah, it's faded in the old version. Yeah, it's because it's just old art, and so they like went in and put some Photoshop filters on it. They do this for a lot of reprints, actually. Yeah, just just make it a little more contrasty and a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. That's um, cool. All right, so let's talk about how this deck plays like right out of the box. We we, we alluded to it earlier. It's you pretty played grindy. it the most for sure. Yeah, so it's know. pretty grindy. Um, the great thing about it is very very focused. There's a lot of synergies. Uh, a lot of the cards they work in concert, um, and it, it, so that's the reason I think that it's very powerful right out of the box. If you're looking, you if you want to have a little edge. And your friends are going to go to the LGS, and you're each going to grab one of the precons and play it. I think Marin is probably the way to go, or Mizix, one of those two. Nice, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, there are a lot of cards that y- you might want to put in here because you're like, oh man, I can't wait for Marin to recur this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but keep in mind that it is at the end of your turn, so cards like Craterhoof Behemoth, while they are good you're going to be putting it into your hand as opposed to playing it onto the battlefield. That's a really good point. You want a lot of um, enter the battlefield effects because it'll come in at your end step. It can't attack, but that enter the battlefield effect will still go off. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say is um, I would say is think about the style of deck that you generally like to play because this is going to be a slower, grindier style. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not exactly control, but it's more controly. It's an attrition deck. It's going to grind your opponents down until you just have more value than they do. Well, the cards we are going to recommend to add definitely make this a lot more controly. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, yeah, let's go to the cards to add section. So you guys may have already guessed this. Dictate of Erebos slash Grave Pact. Um, 
Dictated Veribos is definitely the more affordable version of both, and in a lot of ways, actually slightly better uh, because it's less restrictive in its mana cost. It's three black, black instead of one black, black, black. It costs one more, but it also has flash, and it's basically whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent sacrifices a creature. Uh, it's so good. You can you can get people with this, right? Mm-hmm. If you have uh, scions or spawns that you can sack at instant speed, someone plays out their general and does a bunch of stuff. Avacyn hits the board. Oh, no, what are you going to do? Flashing dick to the air, both sack some guys. Everyone goes, oh, crap, didn't see that coming. It's so, so good. It can really hold, hose Voltron decks. Um, this is just one of those cards where if you land it on the table and nobody answers it in a deck like this, you can keep all other creatures off the board. Yeah. So very good. Grave Packs, again, the more expensive version. Either one's good. The fact that you could possibly get both means there's a lot of redundancy with Butcher of Malakir. Yeah. You can really more reliably get this effect onto the table, which the deck really likes. Um, the next one are Ashnod's slash Phyrexian Altar. So these are artifacts that let you sacrifice creatures for mana. Ashnod's lets you sacrifice a creature and add two colorless. And Phyrexian... You sacrifice a creature and you add one color, one man of any color. So these are ways to, you want to sack creatures anyway, because of Marin. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to turn that into mana, which is so, so powerful because it lets you cast another creature and then Marin brings the creature you sacrifice back. So it's actually becomes, you know, a resource of mana. Yeah. It sort of snowballs on itself. It, it Yeah. Phyrexian Altar is, I think, the more powerful of the two because you can add any mana of any color. However... I think in a two-color deck, Ashnods might be better. Yeah, because you can just play bigger spells because mm-hmm. it's too colorless for one creature. That's just straight up twice as good as sacrificing an Eldrazi spawn or Scion. Um, and you can really pump out some huge stuff. Sometimes you'll just find that having one of these altars out opens up your hand entirely like you look at your hand and you realize oh wow i can actually cast every single card in here if i want to yeah it 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 can lead to the wins you know because you just snowball into this thing where you've got so much stuff on the table so early yeah yeah um the next one is another it's funny because you know we said dictate slash grave pact and then we said ashnodge slash phyrexian and this is another slash category and it shows you that if you build this deck there's a lot of redundancy for the effects yeah. that you want, which is a great thing when you're building a deck. So the next one is Havoc Demon. It's 5 and 2 black for a 5-5 five, five flying demon. It says, when Havoc Demon is put into a graveyard from play, all creatures get negative 5, negative 5 until end of turn. Hey, that's pretty sweet. So a recurrable board wipe. Essentially, it's one better than Languish, kind of. Yep. Uh, it does kill your own creatures, but you don't, again, shouldn't care that much about it. And if you're doing this, you should be able to plan around it adequately enough as well for it to really help you out. For sure. And just getting it into the graveyard once means that you always have the threat of bringing it out when you need to. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful, especially against token decks and things like infinite kiki-jikis and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, that might happen at any moment. And if I have this on the table, I can sack it in, re- you know, yeah. not in response. I can sack it after they're done making an arbitrary amount of, you know, pester mites and save myself. Yep. Pretty good. Um, Kagamaro, first to suffer, also sort of does the same thing. Three black black for a star star. Its power and toughness are equal to the number of cards in your hand, and then you can sack them for one black, and all creatures get minus X minus X, where X is the number of cards in your hand. So, again, just another... You can sack it on the creature itself, which is really great. Uh, it's sort of its its own combo, I suppose. Uh, not to mention, you're going to be drawing a lot of cards with this deck because of Marin. And you don't have to play all your cards a lot of times because you can just get stuff out of the graveyard so you're playing a creature for that mm-hmm. turn if you want to for Kagemaro to um you know get bigger and this you know 
I'm going to pause here really quick and talk about the philosophy of this deck had no board wipes. Mm -hmm. And it'd be very easy and not necessarily wrong to go in and add all the normal, you know, the usual suspects of Toxic Deluge and Damnation and In Garrick's Wake and all this stuff. But a deck like this wants that stuff to be on creatures if you can. Because Marin doesn't bring back Toxic Deluge. Now, with Eternal Witness, you could get it done, but it's way better to instead of requiring an additional card in play to sort of recur that stuff, to put that stuff on a creature because you know Marin can interact with that. Yeah. So now those board wipes become reusable. And whereas in the Mizzix deck, we wanted less creatures and more instants and sorceries. So anytime we needed an effect, we would look first for an, that effect on an instant and sorcery. And in Marin, if we want an effect, we're like, oh, we don't have card draw. Mm-hmm. We want that on a creature. Well, we don't have ramp. We want that on a creature. Oh, we don't have board wipes. We want that on a creature. Yep. And you got a lot of creatures that do it. These next two ads are probably the most important. I would say like it's the first thing you should put in the deck. I agree. Uh, these cards are ridiculous with with all three of the legendary creatures. Yeah. Um, it's Awakening Zone and From Beyond. So Awakening Zone is two and a green. It's an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a 0-1 colorless Eldrazi spawn creature token onto the battlefield. It has sacrifice to this creature. Add one colorless to your mana pool. From Beyond is the same thing, but it makes a 1-1 Scion mm-hmm. that and has the not, same ability. I didn't realize this till now. It's actually not optional for From Beyond. Oh, From, Be- uh, from no, Beyond is not no a main No matter ability. what, yeah. From Beyond, you can also sacrifice to go find... Uh, An Eldrazi. Yep. Which is interesting because you have to be careful here because a lot of the Eldrazi shuffle themselves and your uh, graveyard into your library. Ooh, that's a really good point. I would not put Kozilek or Ulamog or something yeah. uh, into this deck because I don't want my graveyard shuffled into my library. Certainly not. Um, yeah. These these cards are so powerful because you can sack the either the Scions or the Spawns on demand to get experience counters on Marin. Mm-hmm. Plus, they give you mana when you do that. Also, if you have Mazurik out, then all of a sudden you sack one of those creatures, give all your creatures plus one, plus one counters. And then if Mazurik's out, you want to make little creatures every turn mm-hmm. and eventually pump up. Yeah, and go wide. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. These cards are supremely powerful in this deck, and they would be the first two I would add. Yep. I would add multiple copies if I could, but I can't. Uh, a couple other cards, actually. Uh, Catacomb Sifter and Viserys Seer. Mm. These are both cards that allow you to... Catacomb Sifter puts a creature on the battlefield that you can sack its assign, and then whenever a creature you control dies, you get a scry one, and Viserys Seer just lets you sack a creature to scry one. So it's doing everything you need to do and also just helps you make sure you, a- after a certain point, never draw land anymore. Yeah, it's it's close to drawing cards when uh, when you when you lose, when creatures you control die. Yeah. Um, two more cards. So this is another slash. Slash. This slash that. All these slashes. More redundancy. Fleshbag Marauder and yeah. Merciless Executioner. These are basically the functional reprints. So uh, it's a creature that comes into play, and when it does, each player sacrifices a creature. That includes you, but you can sacrifice the Fleshbag Marauder or the Merciless Executioner. Yeah. I remember the first time that happened to me. I was very, I was like, wait, what? Oh, man. You get to just sack your Fleshbag? Yeah. And if you have Butcher of Malakir out or Dictate of Erebos, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden they got to sack two creatures to your one. Ooh. And then with Marin, you can just bring the Fleshbag Marauder back out, mm-hmm. sack it again. So you can do these things where, like, you make everybody sack six creatures every turn. Yeah, it's a great way to lock down the board uh, in creature-heavy decks. Yeah, it, it, it really, like, besides, like, an outright token deck that's only trying to make tokens, it can make it so no other deck can keep a creature on the table. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah, I've even seen it keep up with token decks before where they're like, I play 10 one ones, and you're like, okay, you know, sack two, sack two more, sack yeah. four more, and they're like, crap, I only have two guys left. <laughs> uh, next up, one of my favorite cards ever Solemn Simulacrum. 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 Simulacrumadu. Uh, Simulacrumadu. Simulacrum. I'm dreaming of. A- okay. This was my number one artifact in com- in Commander. Yep. We may have to revisit the top ten artifacts because I feel oh, like I would you, change mine now. Yeah, to put Chromatic Lantern at one. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. You All right, me. cool, cool. <laughs> uh, Solemn is the, uh, the the again a perfect Commander card. It's because notably it's been printed three times in Commander products. Um, it's a four drop. That's a two, two artifact creature golem. When it enters the battlefield, you can search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped and shuffle your library. And when it dies, you can draw a card. So it's ramp. It's card draw. And it's really good in this deck. It's recurrable. Recurrable. Oh my gosh. You get an enter and the exit the battlefield ability. Count me in. I mean, if you just recur this with Marin a couple times, it's oh gosh. insane value. Drawing cards ramping. It's, it's crazy good. Yep. This is in one of the uh, pre-con decks. In fact, it might be in the Azuri deck. I'm not sure which one it's in, but it did get reprinted. So, yep. So you can. So you can it is it. in Azuri. Yeah. So, uh, and the last one we'll talk about. Again, these are not all the cards. These are just sort of our top picks mm-hmm. for an easy ways to improve the deck. Is Birthing Pod. Oh, this card is get probably birth, bro. It's probably sad because it doesn't get talked about that much these days because it got banned in modern. It's amazing in EDH though if you if your deck can support the birth mm-hmm. the birthing of the pods. It's an artifact. It costs three and a Phyrexian green. So Phyrexian green means you can pay either green mana or two life. It says pay one and a Phyrexian green. Tap the birthing pod. Sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrificed creature's converted mana cost. And you put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. You can only activate this ability anytime you could cast a sorcery. That sounds complicated. If you sacrifice a creature that CMC is two mana, then you can go get one in your deck with th- that costs three mana and put it directly into play. Mm-hmm. And then you can start the cycle over again if you have other three drops you want to put into play because you get a marinette back. This is really, really good in this deck. It's a lot like Survival of the Fittest or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um it sacrifices what you want to do. It gives you experience counters when you do that. Plus, it doesn't. You don't lose anything when that creature dies because you go put another creature onto the battlefield, yeah. and then Marin brings back the original. This is um, very, very good. Yeah, not to mention because it's Phyrexian mana, you can pay it with life. Uh, you can essentially, if you have four mana, you can Birthing Pod and use its ability the turn it comes out. You'll pay four life, but that's still pretty good. Still great. Yeah. So. This card um, also, because it was banned, the price has come down significantly. Yay. So it's Hooray. obtainable for more people. Um, I, this is an, one of the early cards I would definitely, after Awakening Zone and um, From Beyond, this might be the next card I would add. Nope. Solemn. Solemn. Dictate. Dictate. Then this. Then that? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe that before Dictate. No, Dictate's too good. Dictate's really good. It's Flash. You have a thousand of but them. But Birthing too. Pot is a tutor. So any card you need you to go get, like I want dictates. What do you mean? Don't you have a bunch of them? Didn't you? Oh, true. <laughs> I I don't have as many as Jason Alt. I no. maybe have. You guys are both the two people that have specced hard on it. No, I... he's specced. He's literally got like a couple thousand. <laughs> I've got like fifty. Oh, that's more of any one card they have, except for maybe lands. So I have like hundred and twenty Supreme Verdicts. That card is great though, but it's not. It hasn't gone up in value, so that probably didn't work. That you spec. know, it's a slow. It's a slow grind. It's a slow like, grind. Like this deck. So we. I like this deck a lot. Um, I think I'm going to build myself 
a uh, a Marin, a Marin deck. I like it. I Our would... friend Alex Kessler from the uh, Masters mm-hmm. of Modern podcast just built one. I don't know the list, but I saw a picture of the deck. Yeah, so it, not he, all the cards. Just he completed, them. by the way, all ten of the enemy color pairs. No, all ten. All of ten the of the pairs, pair enemy and card. allied. Yeah. yeah. So good job, Alex. Good on you, Alex. Try hard. Uh, just kidding. I think I'm going to build a Masric deck. Masric, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Oh, it's called Marchesa, right? No, no, I'm going to put that in Marchesa, <laughs> and then I'm going to build another deck that's just Masric. You should do Masric. Uh, Infect. Maz Infect. No, I'm going to do Hazuri Infect. Sorry. Oh, you're doing Infect? I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I, think... I have my Grafted Exoskeletons and a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. So. Speaking of Azuri, that is the next deck we are going to review. The blue and green deck, of course. Segway. Segway. I'm imagining riding a Segway towards the blue and green deck. Like uh, one of those Paul Blart. Oh, that's not a Segway, is it? It's a... I think it's like a souped-up se- Segway he uses. Super Segway? Is Super that Mega? Segway. Like Megamorph? It's, yeah, it's... <laughs> Super Segway? Yeah, it comes in with a plus one, plus one Paul Blart. <laughs> uh, it's uh, blue and green, I think, is our favorite color combo. It's definitely EDH. mine, yeah. It, again, we as we said before, it does everything you want it to do. Ramp and draw you cards. And it's got Azuri Claw Progress, which is nutty as the front of the deck commander. Uh, and the other two are Caseto and Prime Speaker Zagana. Azuri, we've talked about already. Two, a green and a blue, a 3 3 elf warrior. Whenever a creature with power two or less enters the battlefield under your control, you get an experience counter. Whenever a creature with power two or less enters the battlefield under your control, oh my gosh, uh, tokens. Hey, tokens. Hey. Yep. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put X plus one plus one counters on another target creature you control where X is the number of experience counters you have. So he mega pumps a dude uh, and then also puts lots of little dudes and dudettes on the battlefield and gets you experience counters. Well, he doesn't put dudes out. Right, he doesn't he wants dudes. dudes. He wants dudes out. in, yeah. Yeah, so there's small creature and plus one, plus one counter synergy. Um, the next legendary creature is Cassetto Orachi Archmage. Archmage? Yes. Archmage? I always ask that question. I never get the answer. You will this week. It's one, a green and a blue for a snake wizard, a 2-2. Two, two. Cassetto has an activated ability. Play, pay a green and a blue. Target creature can't be blocked to this turn. If that creature is a snake, it gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Prof loves this guy. Yes. Yep. Important thing to note, you can give unblockable to anything, mm-hmm. but it's only gets the plus two, plus two if it's a snake. But if it's not a snake, it's still unblockable. Wait, Cassetto might be a woman. Cassetto. Who knows? One or the other. Cassetto, guy or girl, is a snake. Yeah. So Cassetto always works with him or herself. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of good. In that worst case scenario, you just pump all the mana into your general and then swing for commander damage. Yeah, or put Grafted Exoskeleton on it and win. So it's a Voltroni, unblockable snake tribal type thing going on with Cassetto. Yeah, and then we have a Merfolk Wizard and Prime Speaker Zagana as the last uh, legendary creature in this deck. Two green, green, blue, blue for a one, one. Uh, it comes, she comes into the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the greatest power among other creatures you control. And when she enters the battlefield, draw cards equal to its power. So if you have a 6-6 six, six out, she comes out as a 7-7, seven, seven, and you draw seven cards when you cast her. It's pretty crazy. Prime Speaker decks are very powerful because reliable card draw whenever you happen to need it mm. is just a very powerful thing in EDH, especially when you've got green. So you can just put a ton of ramp in there. And the problem with putting a lot of ramp into a deck is that you end up like with a lot of mana available but nothing to do with it. Uh, but... Prime Speaker Zagana lets you draw a bunch of cards and then spend that mana. So yeah. it's a really good card. It's a very powerful deck by itself. But what it wants is big creatures because that's what Prime Speaker Zagana like feeds off of. A big creature you have in play and then you draw a lot of cards. 
It's in direct contention with Izuri, who wants small creatures, because that's how you get one one counter. Or that's how you get experience counters. Yeah. Um, and However, then, if Azuri pumps something huge and then you play a prime speaker, then you draw a lot of cards. Right, exactly. It's just requiring an extra step, I think. Yep. Anyway, this deck was really hard to break down statistics-wise because it's hard to figure out what the deck wants to be doing. It's not like the other decks. You know, Daxos, Mizzix, Marin, mm-hmm. they all had pretty focused builds. There was a few, like, uh, a few extra th- side things that were maybe off on a little bit of a tangent, but this one is all over the place a little bit. I'll read the stats here. Yeah, especially because there aren't that many token generators in here. Yeah, exactly. It, it's just not clear what you want to do. Um, and you'll see by the different categories that when I did the stats that I was like searching for the thing that was going to be like <laughs> the flashing sign that said, do this, do this, do this. And I never really found it. Yeah, it's funny because you have a whole category called snakes. So. Yeah, because I was like, well, maybe it's a snakes. Um, okay, so here's the stats. First, we'll start with ramp and card draw like we always do. There are about 10 ramp cards. So there's a lot of ramp. This is the most we've seen of any of the pre-cons so far, which makes sense Mm -hmm. because it does have green. Um, Card draw, there's about seven, which is a good amount. Not for Uh, these colors, though. Well, yeah, it does have blue. Now, the thing I noted here is there are four creatures and Biden of Thassa that draw you cards if you do combat damage. I did not count those under card draw mm-hmm. because they're conditional, but th- so that number could be higher and it could really be 12. Yeah. Um, there's about two board wipes. Now that's normally low, but we've seen these precons don't have a lot of board wipes. None of the decks have like four or five. So two is actually on that scale. Yeah. Okay. Single target removal. There's about six which again is right in the wheelhouse of what we've seen maybe slightly. No, I'd say it's about average for, mm-hmm. for the pre-cons. Okay. Now we get a little crazy <laughs> creatures with power two or less. This is just because if you'll remember Azuri gives you an experience counter whenever a creature with power two or less enter, enters the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So there's 29 out of 33, including a couple of token creators. So if a, if a card made tokens, then I counted it in this category. So some of those aren't necessarily creatures, but there's 29 cards that put creatures with two power two or less onto the battlefield so that can give mm-hmm. you experience counters. Cards that care about plus one, plus one counters. As we talked about a couple of episodes ago, some of the crazy things you can do with Azuri involve cards like Sage of Hours that oh God. remove plus one, plus one counters and give you extra turns, or there's something like Gyre Sage, which taps and adds mana. Zero equal- Sage. Yeah. <laughs> Taps and adds mana equal to the number of plus one, plus one counters on it. There's all kinds of creatures like that. Yeah. So I was looking for that. There's only four creatures in this deck that care about plus one, plus one counters or four cards. Okay. Cards that have or give trample because if I'm making big guys, yeah, if I'm using a Zuri and I'm putting like 10 plus one, plus one counters on a creature, then I want it to give trample or flying or something. There's only three cards that have or give trample. Not very many. (laughs) So that was a dead end. Okay, how about snakes? So let's look at Cassetto, who wants to pump up your snakes and make them unblockable. There's about seven snakes. Hey, not bad. Not that many. Okay, how about cards that like want to become unblockable? Thanks to Cassetto's ability. Because again, Cassetto yeah, makes something unblockable. Uh, there's about eight. I included the Biden of Thassa. Mm-hmm. There's a Scythe Claw, which we'll talk... Uh, I don't know if we will talk about later. It basically is like quite a spike. It does damage um or they lose half their life life, yeah yeah when you do combat damage to a player a little bit yeah whenever you do combat damage to a player if the scythe claw is equipped then they lose half their life 
rounded up. I think it's rounded up. Yeah. Um, so there's about eight cards that want to be unblockable, but that's not a ton. I just look for token creators because, again, Azuri, there's about six. And then I look for mass pump spells because, well, if you're making a lot of tokens and going wide, which that's is what you want to do. And there's about four. <laughs> so it's, it's funny. It's confusing. It's confusing because there are 29 creatures that trigger Azuri. However, in every other category we just listed here, it goes anywhere from three to seven. So it's not like it's ever focused in one area, especially not like the other deck uh, that we talked about today because there are, you know, stuff that wants to die 20 cards. Right. 10 sack outlets. Uh, yeah. In this deck, it's everything's under 10. Uh, and, and most of it's like threes and fours. Yeah, which is so it's it's tough. It it definitely is split. Yeah, there's a lot of creatures that give Azuri experience counters, but there's not a lot of ways to do anything interesting with those counters. Yeah, and that's know? sort of where the the spikiness of I think the deck comes in is getting turns with Sage of Hours and just going infinite turns. Yeah, you know? or at least giving a guy trample, but there's not even a lot of that. You yeah, know? there are a lot of large creatures, so Prime Speaker Zagana feels like, you know, she's out, uh, and that sort of leaves us with Cassetto. And the more I think about it, the more I think Cassetto's probably the right choice to lead the deck. Mm-hmm. Because Cassetto can pump himself or herself. Yeah. So worst case scenario, dumping a bunch of mana into your commander to make them unblockable and huge is not a bad plan. Yeah, it's not the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. And Cassetto synergizes. You've got 10 ramp spells. Ramp is good because Cassetto is a mana sink because mm-hmm. every extra mana you have that you can't use you can just dump it into cassetto synergizes really well with all those creatures that want to um do combat damage and draw you cards and the biden of thassa yep um so that's kind of where i ended up i i don't know that it's a hundred percent like i think this deck you can sort of play either azuri or cassetto yeah. well we saw the prof play cassetto when we played against it and it actually was sweet he was like all right i'm gonna hit you for 10 commander and it's like oh that's halfway there uh, and then you equip Scytheclaw to and it's like, oh, even if he doesn't kill you with commander damage, you're... St- I mean, for that reason, someone immediately lost that game because he just Scytheclawed them once and hit them once with his commander. And it was like, oh, sorry, Wes. You're at like 13 life, dude. You're going to lose. Yeah, the deck can just all of a sudden be like, boom. Yeah. You, you're at eight life, like out of nowhere because of the unblockability. Um, so I, I do think the prof was correct in choosing Cassetto as the lead singer, as it were. Oh! <laughs> I think Cassetto is actually a lot better than he or she looks. Yeah, I think Cassetto is great, actually. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it gives plus two, plus two to itself makes it a really good Voltron commander because a lot of times, like just the threat of attacking with it and someone be like, well, I could block or I'm going to lose my creature, or like if I could block and I, or if I don't block, then I might take lethal. Like, well, that, it gives unblockable. So if you yeah. pump anything into it, it's just not blockable. Yeah. It's not like Intimidate or something. It's just like. Nope, I'm going to take that damage unless I have instant speed removal. Yeah. Uh, which you don't have unlimited instant speed removal. And Cassetto's pretty cheap. So even if you kill Cassetto like two or three times, still coming back out in that fourth time. Yeah. Now they've got more mana. So it's it's actually, I was surprised. I thought Cassetto was kind of junk. <laughs> you know, when we originally reviewed the decks and yep. then seeing Cassetto in action, I was like, oh, no, that card's scary. Yep. I like Cassetto a bunch. So let's talk about some of the best cards, which are some of them are actually uh, new cards. And this first one, this first one's ridiculous. This first one is very good. Zuri's Predation. Uh, five green, green, green. So we're talking great Aurora status here. Uh, it's a sorcery. For each creature your opponents control, put a 4-4 four, four green beast creature token onto the battlefield. Each of those beasts fights a different one of those creatures. So this is the semi-board wipe of the deck. Mm-hmm. And it is very, very good. 
Yeah. We've seen it get cast, and there's like nine creatures on the battlefield, and so you get nine four fours, and <laughs> those nine four fours eat all except for one or two of the other creatures. Yeah. So a lot of times what happens is you cast this, and you end up with killing all except for two other creatures on the board and leaving you with seven four fours or something like that. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Especially if you have a haste grancher, and then it's like, all right, time to go to combat. Now, notably, you can't have two creatures attack the same guy or girl right. because that right. mean, you'd be able to stack it up and kill something huge. Uh, that would really push it over the edge. But other than that, like, Kazuri's Predation is, is really cool. I like this card a lot. The swing on this card is huge. You can go from, like, you're, like, massively behind to you're massively ahead, like, very quickly. Yeah, totally. This is a card I think is going to end up going in a lot of green decks. Again, green doesn't have a lot of board wipes. Mm-hmm. This is a great, like, in-flavor board wipe for green. It makes tokens. They fight stuff. That's what green does. It makes tokens, yeah. and it has the fight cards. Um, the next one is... Another awesome card, and I think this card's going to end up in a lot of Commander decks, is Command Beacon. Mm-hmm. It's a land. You tap it for one colorless, or you tap it and sacrifice it to put your commander into your hand from your command zone. Yeah, this is kind of like the one card where people are like, why didn't they print this in every deck? And as a result, it's slowly climbing up price because it is a very good card. Yeah, this any deck that relies on its commander, especially commanders that are kind of expensive, mm-hmm. think of like Maelstrom Wanderer or... Um, Melek or yeah those decks were like oh man if my commander dies twice i can't cast them maybe ever again in the game and that's a real feel bad moment because you want to cast a commander and it just gets really annoying after a while and sometimes when someone's like uh okay i'm gonna cyclonic rift you're like oh thank goodness like they didn't just kill my commander because i can actually play it for the regular mana cost yeah this got way better with the tuck rule because you can't kind of get hosed by it yeah yeah it's very very good um i'm all in uh, all in Biden of Thassa. Uh, this card is a reprint from Theros Block. The Biden is good just because it synergizes really well with Cassetto, and it's also just a good card to have on the battlefield. People usually don't, they kind of overlook the power level of this card. It's whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you can draw a card. And uh, the I think more important ability one in the blue, you can tap it. Creatures your opponents control attack this turn if able. It's really interesting what this does to the game because you can make it so somebody can't just like sit there mm-hmm. and block. You can force them in, force them to be open to everybody else attacking them. Yeah, not to mention if you have a good just sort of defensive stuff up, or if you have like a propaganda, strength, propaganda. Yeah, yeah all of a sudden they can't attack you. They and... can't attack you, and it, them forcing all their creatures to, to attack is such a dangerous proposition because they have to point it at someone, and then they leave themselves completely open. Yep, and turning all your guys into like shadow mage infiltrators is pretty good, especially since Cassetto gives them blockable. Yeah, uh, you know that that draw card thing is pretty strong not to mention you can stack it on like your elvish visionary and swing at someone for one and be like hey look i'm just drawing a card yep for sure uh scythe claw we already talked about is five mana for an equipment it costs three to equip uh it has living weapon so it gets a germ counter uh equip creature gets plus one plus one whenever equip creature deals combat damage to a player that player loses half his or her life rounded down hey this is brutal because Cassetto makes things unblockable. So, you know, she's just like, hey, deal 20. Yep. Actually, 21. 20. <laughs> just get all With the, the way germ. In there. Yep. I like Scythe Claw. I like all those effects because it really speeds up a game. Losing half your life is no joking matter. Even though you have 40 life, it's still very significant. In fact, you actually lose more life than you would you if you had started with 20. You know, instead of losing 10, you lose 20. Yeah, or, that's a good you know, point. 16 or whatever. Uh, Arachnogenesis. This card is this is it, man. This is the best 
This Bob. card is going in every green deck. This is insane. I to literally me. bought sixteen of these. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, Arachnogenesis is insane. It's the best. I, I lo- it feels to me like one of the best fogs ever. It might besides constant mists because you can recast because it. you can recast it. it. It's it might be better than constant mist though. It's at least equal. Yeah, it's Ara- severely undercosted. Yeah, it's severe, especially for what it is. Two in a green instant. Put X one two green spiders creature tokens with reach onto the battlefield. Uh, where X is the number of creatures attacking you, prevent all combat damage that will be dealt this turn by non-spider creatures. Even if you just put two onto the battlefield, it's a fog, and then you get two one twos for two three one twos. Mana. Two Insta- one twos with reach is a two four with reach. That's a giant spider that costs three and a green. Yeah, that's a really good point. That costs less. That's even without <laughs> the fog. Yeah, it, fog is totally playable in EDH anyway. We've talked about it many times because so often somebody does something where they create 100 tokens on this turn and attack with it all in the same turn. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, if I could just have made it to my turn, I'd cast my board wipe or do something, but I don't have that time because I don't have an instant speed board wipe or whatever. Yeah. Or another player has a board wipe, but they can't, you know, they don't have mana untapped or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And this just gives you that extra layer of time so you can deal with the kiki-jiki player or whatever. God, that, this is so insane. I love this card. <laughs> this card is so ridiculous. It's so good. I'm going to get destroyed by it. I'm going to have a bunch of spiders swing back at me because I went nuts with my token deck. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. If they attack... They have reach. They they block the flyers, too. You can just stack all these one-twos on their giant flyer and eat it. Nom, 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 nom. Well, also, those times, if you're in a play group where somebody does the crazy thing where they kiki-jiki or splinter twin, a pester mite, mm-hmm. and attack you with a 1,000 pester mites... You cast Arachnogenesis, their Pestermites do zero, zero damage. Yeah. You get a thousand one two spiders that all and do then damage. you crack back on them and yeah. they're all tapped out because they attacked you. Yeah. This this card, I love this card. Yeah. Uh, uh, unless you're playing Spider Tribal, then it's not as effective. If, if they're against, playing if they're playing Spider Tribal, yeah. It's true. You still block each one. Someone sent us a Spider Tribal list. <laughs> I, I'm no, I'm sure it's out there. Uh the last card under best cards, and this is only one of the best cards if you're playing the Cassetto. Mm-hmm. Uh, strategy here but chameleon colossus is two and two green for a four four shapeshifter has changeling so this card is every creature type at all times means it's a snake has protection from black it says pay two and two green chameleon colossus gets plus x plus x until end of turn where x is its power now it doesn't tap it or anything so if Mm -hmm. you have eight mana you can do this twice so it's a four four cassetto Activate. Make it unblockable. It's now a 6-6 six, because six, it's also a snake. Pay four mana. It's a 12-12. If you have Yeesh. four more, that's a 24-24. It just can kill them so fast. Yeah. Gets out of control really fast. Yeah. So this is a card that looks innocuous. You'll play it. It's a four mana. Four, four, uh, whatever. Make it unblockable. Pump it a couple of times. Kill you. Yeah, I dig it. I can dig it. Thank you, Chameleon Colossus, because I've never had a reason to play you until now. This is not the type of card that I'm normally advocating. Like, just in the very last deck, the, yeah. the uh, Vulturous, what was that called? The Vul- Vulturous Zombie is like, make a big flyer. But that's not, that's make a big flyer slowly over the course of two or three turns. Yeah, and also just asking to get removed. And also, it's it's a flyer. People are going to have flyers sometimes. Mm-hmm. doesn't have trample, whatever. This isn't a deck that's made to make things unblockable. So a card like this is so much more powerful. Yep. I am a fan of that card. All right, let's talk about some of the worst cards. Uh, experiment one. 
This is the first and last experiment I'll be doing with this guy. <laughs> it's a it's just green for a one one with evolve. So whenever a creature enters the battlefield, if that creature has greater power or toughness than this creature under your control, play plus one plus one counter on experiment one, and you can remove two plus one plus one counters from it to regenerate experiment one. It's I mean, just not. Yeah. It's just too slow. It's Not just... to mention, if you're like trying to play the Azuri token route, you put a you put a bunch of two twos in the player one ones. They just experiment ones like I, I get leveled up once. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm already too big for you guys. Yeah, I mean Azuri. I guess the plan is put like a bunch of token or a bunch of counters on him with Azuri. Yeah, make him huge. It, but he doesn't have trample or anything. It just takes too long. It's just not impactful enough. Yeah, it's funny how trample really does make a big difference there. Yeah, if you had a lot of cards that gave trample, but again, then any creature is going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, this card, it just doesn't do much. Yeah. The next one is Caller of the Claw. It's two and a green for a 2-2 elf with flash. When Caller of the Claw enters the battlefield, put a 2-2 green bear creature token onto the battlefield for each non-token creature put into your graveyard from the battlefield this turn. Now, this card might be okay in Azuri if you're running Azuri mm-hmm. um, because it puts a bunch of tokes out. Gotta Maybe. get them all the tokes. Maybe. You have to have mana open when they cast their board wipe or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, this is one of those cards that reads really well, and then when you try and play it, you understand, like, oh. Yeah. They cast Wrath of God, but I tapped out that turn. Or yeah. they cast it, but I didn't tap out, but I only had two guys in play, so I only got two two twos. so who cares? Yeah. Yeah. It's also, like, how did Azuri live? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because Azuri has to be out for you to get the experience counters from the tokens. Mm-hmm. So if they Wrath your board, and you're replacing, and you're playing this... Then how's Azuri out? Yeah, I, you know what I'd rather play? Arachnogenesis. <laughs> I'd rather play that than almost any card. Yeah. Yeah, Arachnogenesis totally works with Azuri because you just don't block with Azuri. He's still alive. And then you play Arachnogenesis, put 10 spiders into, and get 10 experience points. Yeah. Counters. See, that's why I want to make a five-color deck with these guys because Azuri and uh, Marin, it's really easy to get experience counters. And then Mizzix is just like drooling at the thought. Uh, because the experience counters are interchangeable and they count yeah. for all of your uh, commander creatures that care about them. Uh, you want to read the next one? Yeah. So next up, we got Noble Quarry. Uh, Noble Quarry is two and a green enchantment creature unicorn. There's only one. It's this one. It's a one one with bestow five and a green, so you can cast it as an enchantment or a spell. And all creatures able to block uh, Noble Quarry or enchanted creature do so, and enchanted creature gets plus one plus one. So it's a lure. It's a lure. It's interesting because, yeah, you do want this in the deck. This is like a, a form of trample in a way. It allows you to get damage through, but it costs a lot to bestow it. Um, it only gives plus one, plus one, so it's it's going to die pretty much as soon as it attacks something. Well, the good thing is block the, the Noble Curry will then jump off, and you can do it again next right. turn. But that's if you play its, pay its bestow cost. Otherwise, guess what it is? It's a one-trick pony. <laughs> <laughs> it's also just not good if you're not running Azuri. In Cassetto, it's not good because you're going to make things unblockable. And yeah. given that we're saying, I think Cassetto should be the front man for the deck, then or front woman, or lead singer, or whatever you want to say, um, then this card needs to come out. Mm-hmm. If you decide to run Azuri, then maybe it stays. Yeah, I think if you decide to run Azuri, though, the amount of change that you need to make to the deck is, is big. Agreed. Uh, the last one is Elvish Visionary. So it's one in a green for a 1-1 one, one Elf Shaman. When Elvish Visionary enters the battlefield, draw a card. Okay. This is a card that you want in decks like Marin, where you're going to sack it and bring it back and use it as a card draw engine. Yeah, over and over and over again. Yeah, this deck 
doesn't really have a lot of ways to bring Elvish Visionary back. It yeah. has. It has. I mean, Elvish Visionary by itself is never a bad card. Right. It's one in the green draw card for a one-one. You can block something with it. But if you're not really looking to abuse it and do things with it, it's not like you're trying to make Cassetto pump this up, right? It doesn't even get pumped up. It's an elf. It's like you want to make a one-one unblockable with Cassetto. Eh. Do you want to have a Zeri stack a bunch of counters on your Elvish Visionary? Not really. No. It'd be sweet to do it to a solemn similar crumb because someone wants to block it and kill it. At know? least then if they do, then you get something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this this card just doesn't do enough to me. Yep. Uh, okay, let's talk about some notable reprints. We've already talked about three of these, uh, yeah. but in different forms. High Market, again, a great sack outlet, great mana producer. It's just one of the best lands in the game. E-Witness, we all know what she does. Solemn similar crumb. We all know what that does. Take Solemn out of this deck, put it into the Marin deck. Actually, it's still good in this deck because it's good in any deck. But. Uh, yeah, put it in any deck. Yeah. And Mystic Snake, we haven't talked about this. Uh, this card's great. It's one of Marshall's favorite cards. He puts it in this Animar deck, even though it is very overcosted for what he's trying to do with it. <laughs> um, it's one green, blue, blue. as a 2-2 creature snake with flash. When it enters the battlefield, counter target spell. And it's a snake. It's pretty yes. cool because it synergizes with Cassetto. Yeah. And it counters a spell. And, you know, there's a couple ways, I think, in the deck to bounce it back to your hand. Yeah. So, at the very least, you can high mark it and then Eternal Witness it. Mm-hmm. Boom. Uh, Broke let's it. talk about the deck. It is unfocused. This deck Even has... just talking about the cards, it's like these are all cards that are cool in different ways, but they all want to do things with the different commanders. Yeah, I think the deck will play very inconsistent. So sometimes it'll get off to a good start. You'll find Scythe Claw, a couple of snakes. Cassetta will make them unblockable. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to like, you know, get some people out of the game, KO them pretty fast, maybe run away with the win. But then sometimes you won't draw any of those pieces, and you'll draw all the stuff that's supposed to go with the Zuri, and the deck won't do much. Yeah. So, or if you run a Zuri as the commander, the same thing will happen. Sometimes you'll get a bunch of snakes out, mm-hmm. and it's just not going to work. You know cohesively yeah it's not gonna do all the time yeah Yeah. so this is the deck that requires i think the most work out of the box to be like pretty good yeah yeah um all right let's talk about some cards to add and just like the deck there are a lot of different ways to go uh i think we'll probably do some azuri deck tech type stuff later down the line i hope so yeah so we're going to talk mostly about what we would add if you're running cassetto Mm mm-hmm so the first one that's obvious is Edric, Spy Master of Trest. He's sort of the other commander you would want to run in green blue if you want to do just sort of the, the overwhelm and get damage in slash draw cards. One the green. unblockable. Yeah, the unblockable aspect. This guy's the Spy Master himself. He's great. Uh, Edric, Spy Master of Trest, one, a green, and a blue. So three total for a 2-2 Elf Rogue. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may draw a card. This counts you. It's also interesting because when Edric's out, nobody wants to attack you because they don't mm-hmm. draw cards if they attack you. They want to attack each other. It's a very, very good card. Very strong deck in its own right. Yeah, it also just forces other people to do stuff to everyone else. And as yep. long as Edric's out, people usually won't point their aggression at you because this is helping the decks that like it and the decks that don't like it are trying to get rid of either the creatures attacking them or Edric. But the thing is, no one's swinging at you. So it's kind of like a Howling Moon kind of ability where it's like everyone Howling benefits. Mind. Howling Mine. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was thinking about Blood Moon. It's, just, <laughs> it's always in my head. Uh, yeah. Because it's great. It's just, it is a very political card that doesn't have to do any politics. It just does it by being on the board. And you're giving unblockable to your guys. You can always draw cards if you want to. Also, yeah. Cassetto can give unblockable to your opponent's creatures. So mm, you can do things point. like 
hey, I'll, I'll, I'll make this guy unblockable so you can draw a card if you attack this guy. Yeah. So you can make those kind of political moves. Or even just like, hey, this planeswalker's out. Uh, he has creatures to block it. But look, here, how about this? I'll make your guy unblockable so you can swing at them. Yep. It's like, I'm doing you a favor, slash myself. <laughs> uh, Sashiro the Anointed, uh, four green green, legendary creature, snake monk. Obviously, snake tribal is a possibility with this deck. Other snake creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Hey. Whenever a snake you control deals combat to damage to a player, you may draw a card. So it's like the Edric of snakes. Mm-hmm. This guy's like totally the homeboy uh, to Cassetto, Cezero, whatever, snake boy. Because <laughs> if you're going to do a Voltron deck with Cassetto, uh, then uh, Sashiro's like, he's there. He's like his hype man. He's the hype man. I was yeah. going to say Robin, but Robin. okay. Oh, yeah. He is the Robin, too. He's the Robin. Uh, holy drawing cards, Cassetto. <laughs> you did the- it. That's the old Robin from the from when I was a kid, not the Robin from these days. Which yeah, is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I saw him the other day, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, he was walking into one of the buildings at Disney. Nice. Probably <gasps> to like walk across a tight wire across two buildings. I hear he does that. <laughs> he is the man on wire. <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously you can do Snake Tribal. We're not going to mention all the Snake Tribal cards. There are a lot. Yeah. Uh, so you can totally go full on Snake Tribal. I know that's what Prof's doing. He's very excited to do it. Um, I'm excited for Prof to do it. I'm Someone excited. Needs to. I'm excited to see him do it. A card I would add to every, literally every deck with blue in it is Cyclonic Rift. Yep. So if a deck has blue and it doesn't have Cyclonic Rift, then this is going to be on the list of need to add. Cyclonic mm-hmm. Rift is one in a blue for an instant. It says return target non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hands, but it has overload for six in a blue. If you pay that six in a blue, you may cast this spell for its overload cost. If you do, change the text by replacing all instances of target with each. So then it would wow. read, so for seven mana, it would read, return target non-land permanent you don't, oh, sorry. Each target non-land Return permanent. each target non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. It basically, they your opponents only have lands in play. Everything yeah. else goes back to their hand. I mean, basically, it's look, horrible. You're, you're getting rid of all non-land permanents for the full turn. It sets everyone But not back. yours. Not yours. People are going to have to discard cards because they can't play everything. Like, this sends their mana rocks, their enchantments. It opens up the game to for people to just kind of go nuts. It's insanity. It's bannably good. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not saying ban it. I'm just saying it's of the power level of, of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so another way you could go, if you're a mean person. No, a smart person. If you're Craig Blanchett. In fact, in fact, in, in fact. fact, in fact. Yeah, this makes a lot of sense because, look, you're you're making unblockable stuff. If you're going to go with Cassetto, if you're doing a Zuri, then you're just making giant things, and you're going to find ways to get that damage through by playing something like Vasa. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the grafted exoskeleton is... One of the best equipments in terms of doing this, four drop equipment, equipped for two. A creep creature gets plus two, plus two, and has infect. If you guys don't know, if you deal damage to someone with a creature with infect, it deals the damage in the form of minus one, minus one counters to creatures and to players in the form of poison counters. Poison counters and experience counters, very similar. They live outside of the game, essentially, uh, and they are unaffected by anything except for proliferate, which means you can add more of those counters. If someone has 10 poison counters, they lose the game. They are poisoned to death. And Grafted Exoskeleton is essentially what it looks like. It's what Azuri is wearing in his art. And it's plus two, plus two, gives it infect. However, when it becomes unattached from a permanent, you have to sacrifice it. So you can't just hop it around yeah. to a different creature. If you put this on Cassetto and attack, he's a 4-4, four, four, and all you need is six mana to kill somebody. Yep. Because six mana gives him plus six, 
plus yeah, six plus six, plus six. six and unblockable. So you could literally with grafted exoskeleton just off somebody on turn six. Yeah, earlier if you have some rocks. That's um mean and crazy and awesome. Yeah, crafted exoskeleton, sweet. It's also one of the like must get rid of equipments when it hits the board, which is kind of funny. It's the one of the most scary things that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other one, we're not going to list all the infect cards. If you were going infect, you want a lot of infect, mm-hmm. not a little. Um, Blight Mamba is one in a green for a 1-1 one, one snake with infect. It also has pay one in a green regenerate Blight Mamba. So it's just a snake that has infect. There's an, a couple other snakes that add poison counters, mm-hmm. um, but adding a poison counter is not the same as infect because if you there's some snakes that say when you deal combat damage, put a poison counter on, on to that opponent, but that doesn't scale if you if you give them more power. Whereas yeah, the Blight yeah. Mamba, if you pump it with Cassetto, all of a sudden deals, you know, 10 poison counters all at once. Ugh. Yeah. Thanks. Very good. Yeah, the fact that there are a few poison snakes, I think, out there, and they get really good with Cassetto. Uh, finally, if you have some more dollar bills hanging around the bank, Sword of Feast and Famine, my favorite sword. It's a three drop. You equip it for two. It gets plus two, plus two, pro, black, and green. So feast and famine. Feast is green. Famine's black. Whenever a crypt creature deals combat damage to a player, that player discards a card, and you untap all lanes you control uh, in Sandy. And with Cassetto, so good because you can just, without even thinking about it, dump all your mana into mm-hmm. Cassetto, pump them, because you know you're going to untap your lands when you hit because you're making him unblockable. Or her. Sorry. Don't know the gender still. Who knows? Cassetto's got four arms, though, so we'll call... Him or her forearmed, uh, genderless snake thing. We could probably have Googled whether Cassetto is male is or Cassetto female. Is Cassetto a But it's way more fun female. to just get a, a you know a bunch of comments <laughs> that are telling us, hey, don't you know Cassetto's male? That you probably can. It says including results is cast a male or female, and it's just talking to me about Ghostbusters. <laughs> Dang it! So close. Let's read the flavor text of Cassetto. So Maybe that will tell us. Our reverend, our revered ancestor Shashiro. Gave us wisdom greater than poison and fangs. That's not true. You want to play with poison. And it's, by the way, a quote from Cassetto, so we have no idea. That doesn't tell me if Cassetto's male or female. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> There's people yelling right now at their car stereo. It's a female, you idiots! Look! Look at You can clearly tell by the headdress. I'm not. I'm just not up on uh, snake fashion. <laughs> so I don't really yeah, know. And we haven't read the, uh, the lore for Cassetto yet. All right, so that's going to end our reviews of the pre-con decks for today. We're going to do, when we come back in early December, we will do the Kalemne. You notice we've saved Boros for last, and we really, we get yelled at all the time, speaking of getting yelled at, for <laughs> begging on Boros. So we're going to give Kalemne her own show. You guys obviously sent in a ton of ideas for Kalemne, so you guys will help out uh, us making that episode really interesting because there are a lot of uh, cool builds out there for, for the deck. And ways to make it work. And in if in the meantime, you haven't sent anything into us. Now's your chance. Now's your chance. Now's your chance. Between yeah. Thanksgiving and the following Thursday, we're going to be collecting all the cool ideas to make a show. So if you've yep. got cool ideas, send them in. And shouting out the coolest. All right, but you guys now. are all the coolest. <laughs> Time for the end step where we talk about something cool. Speaking of cool, outside the world of magic, Thanksgiving's around the corner. What are your plans for Thanksgiving, Jimmy? I'm going up to San Francisco. I will be hanging out at Anime Imports, which is the local gaming store there. Uh, hopefully get to see Prof while I'm up there and also uh, playing some Smash Brothers and Magic with my good friend Brian. That sounds fun. I wish I was going up there. Also, the Prof owes me the best oysters in the world or something, which he says is up there, and I still hmm. haven't had them. You should. Uh, you definitely. can do the recon. 
I will happily do that recon. That yeah, that's a really tough. Uh, yeah, it's a tough assignment. <laughs> tough assignment. But somebody's got to do it. You know what, boss? I got this. I'm on the case. <laughs> I take one for the team. Yeah. <laughs> Eating oysters. Yum 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 yum. yum. Uh, I'll be down in San Diego um, with some family down there, so that should be fun. Nice, nice and warm. Nice and warm. Well, yeah, that's actually true. I, I was thinking it's been cold lately, but not for like. It's it's been like L.A. cold, not like cold for most of the country. Let's not talk about it. That's why we are truly in a snowless land. That's why we're truly jerks. It was like 85 degrees today. (laughs) What is it, November 19th when we record this? Get out of town. Um, Everybody out there, wherever you are, if you celebrate Thanksgiving or if you don't, I hope you have a good good, uh, celebration with your family. Or if it's just a normal day for you and there's no Thanksgiving going on, I still hope you have a grand feast of some kind. Yeah, call and call your relatives or family or loved ones. It's a good time to always reconnect. Even though you may not celebrate the holiday, you should at least be getting in contact with them and saying, hey, you're great. You should get in contact with them and you should say, I'm dreaming of a white thanksgiving all right don't forget to listen to our (laughs) sister podcast the masters of modern alex and ben talk about modern as a format and all things competitive magic you can find them on rocketjump.com slash the mmcast you can follow them on twitter at the mmcast our editor is terry robertson and special thanks to jerry jeffrey palmer for the living cards animations (laughs) you can find jeffrey online at uh, living cards mtg on twitter and make sure you guys check out the videos we release videos every single week for these episodes terry puts a lot of work into them and they are super fun to watch because they show you all the cards we talk about without also to look them up that thing that we're not talking about anymore that we're doing with prof with the professor will someday be on our youtube channel so you should probably go subscribe now so that you know the moment that that thing comes out because it is going to be awesome yeah do it do it now. Do it now. And don't look back. Get down now. Yeah, you can find that at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. Subscribe now. Head for the chopper. <laughs> the chopper. Right, head, head for the subscribe button. Head for the... It doesn't... All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, 
You can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.